The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a gorgeous afternoon once again here in the Auburn Opelika area. It is Thursday, September 21st, 2023, and this is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on ESPN 106.7. I hope you're all doing well. Lots to talk about on the show today, as always, Uh, but as we get closer to... Uh, Get closer to the weekend, get closer to Saturday, a stacked weekend of football with high school tomorrow night, college on Saturday, NFL on Sunday. You know the drill at this point. Um, Just so much going on in the game of football and excited to talk about uh, a little bit of all of it here today and tomorrow as well as we get closer to the weekend. Uh, But do want to uh, shout out uh, again uh, the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge. This is uh, our wonderful studio sponsor here uh, between 2 to 4 here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And a reminder that the Plaza Bar and Lounge uh, is your Tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall. Uh, Home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go along with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog friendly uh, Plaza Patio while keeping up with all of the other football Ball action leading up to kickoff on Saturdays located at 800 Main Street in Midtown just off of Opelika Road. The plaza offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every single weekday and uh, don't you forget that the Sunday brunch they offer brunch on Sundays so be sure you go check that out as well. The Plaza Bar and Lounge your pregame stop in Auburn. So uh, we thank them as always for being our studio sponsor here during my show. Um, How are you doing on a Thursday afternoon uh, how are you feeling as we get closer to uh closer to saturday with auburn and texas a&m set to do battle once again this time over in texas um there in college station big game this weekend we've talked a lot about how this is a massive game for auburn in 2023 but starting off the show today We need to talk about what Auburn has to do to win this thing. We know it's a big game. How does Auburn win this Saturday against Texas A&M? How does Auburn go on the road for the second time this season and get a win and try to improve to 4-0? That's what we're going to talk about to start off the show today. If you've been with me on Thursdays throughout football season, you know it's busy around here because... Coming up at 2.30, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. He will join me on the phone lines. uh, Talk about Tiger Talk coming up tonight. Talk about the trip out to Texas A&M that the guys are going to make and where you can find the broadcast and and all of his expectations 
uh, for for the game this weekend. So that is coming up at 2.30, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. At 3 o'clock to start hour number two, we're going to talk to Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, um, and get his thoughts on his team's really, really good performance last week against JAG uh, and preview their game coming up tomorrow night at home for just the second time this season. Crazy, I know. Uh, but just for the second time this season, Auburn High School back home over at Duck Sanford Stadium. So we'll talk to head coach Keith Etheridge coming up at 3 o'clock. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us coming up on the phone lines at 3.30. We'll get his thoughts on everything going on around the Southeastern Conference, reactions from last weekend, and predictions for this weekend some big games around the conference we'll get his thoughts on those coming up later on in hour number two uh so once brad law gets on it's kind of busy so this first 30 minutes of the show today i want you to call in i want to hear from you what's on your mind how are you feeling what's your thoughts and predictions for auburn versus texas a&m now's the time to get those into me because i want to hear from you on the phone lines 334 321 1390 that's the number to get you through to me 334 321 1390 are you confident in this game for Auburn on Saturday Um, are you worried about the game on Saturday Uh, in your mind what does Auburn have to do to win this game I'm curious I want to hear from you again it's going to be a busy show um, in the back half so if you want to call in, talk to me. I want to talk to you. Give me a call uh, here in the next 30 minutes or so. 334-321-1390. Because I'm going to tell you what I think about this game. And, of course, we'll make our – or I'll make my official pick and prediction tomorrow with Uncle T-Bone when he's with me in hour number two. But i got to talk about what Auburn needs to do because there's a lot of factors here. All right, there's a lot of factors on – what Auburn has to do to win this weekend. I've talked a lot about how Auburn is 3-0, how you have to take that, be confident in that, right? Be confident that you are one of the select few teams in this conference that can say that. Um, You've already gone on the road. I think that's a really, really important factor here. I think the fact that Auburn has already gone on the road and won a game against a Power 5 team team which again I know it's Cal I know but that's a that's a tough road trip and we talked about that a lot in the week leading up to that so the fact that this game on Saturday on the road at A&M is not your first road trip you get to take that out of the equation right you get to take that out but when you start comparing these two teams you have a team at Auburn that coming into the year, offensively, the run game was going to be what they what they leaned on, what they banked on, what they focused on, because that's where we, you, the fan, me, the, the radio guy, and everybody who was covering and talking about this program, everybody knew that Auburn wanted to run the football because of the guys in the room. Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, et cetera, et cetera. Right? We also thought that the, the offensive line was going to be better than it has been in the past. And that's what we had talked about leading up to the season. But so far, the run game hasn't all been there. I know the numbers look fine. Numbers look fine. But Auburn hasn't been able to just run it at will, 
for four quarters against any of these first three opponents. Auburn hasn't been able to just push guys around, create massive holes, and let Jarquez and Damari run all over the place. But maybe that's okay in these first three games to get everybody back, get everybody comfortable. We know Auburn's been dealing with some injuries. They are dealing with some up front on the offensive line. But maybe this is a perfect game to really get it going. Because what do people say all the time? It's true, but what do people say? When you go on the road, you have to lean on your run game. You have to rely on your running game. If you can't run the football on the road, you're going to be in trouble. Because you're going to put yourself in third and long. And you're going to let the crowd get involved. And you're going to let the defense on the other side build some momentum and have a chance to make big plays, force turnovers. And we all know that turnovers are bad on the road. They're bad in general, but they're extremely bad on the road. So for Auburn to win this Saturday, A, you got to run the football. Got to find and break through with the running game this Saturday. Whether that be Jarquez Hunter, whether that be Damari Alston, whether I don't care who it is. Auburn has to establish the running game. You've got to be able to carry... Uh, I'm thinking somewhere north of three yards a carry by the end of it. If you can carry for three to four yards or more per carry, you're going to be in a good spot to win the football game. Because on the flip side, Auburn is going to have to throw the ball too. And you may be sitting there saying, well, yeah, duh, you're going to have to run and throw to win. But look at Auburn's games this year. They started off wanting to run the football against UMass. They went into Cal and expected to just run all over the place. And that's what we had talked about was, oh, Auburn's going to go out to California and run for 500 yards, and California's not going to know what hit them. Well, that didn't happen. Auburn couldn't run the football hardly at all. And so we were like, well, now it's time for Auburn to throw the ball because the passing game wasn't any good either. Well, you saw last week against Sanford, Auburn did exactly that. They came out and threw it and threw it and threw it some more. They over doubled their throwing attempts from week two to week three. And so now that you've had three weeks to work on both of the, those factors in the, in the offense, now it's time for those to come together. It's time for you to use both of those and be effective in both. You've had three weeks to work on both of them. Four weeks if you include this week of practice. It's time to use both of them strategically timely and effectively you have to be able to get yards on the ground this this weekend in college station if you can run the ball first down second down third down i don't care what situation it is there should always be an option to run the football and if texas a&m has to respect that and if you can continue to gain yards and they have to load the box then you can bust out your throwing game, your passing game with Peyton Thorne, who I think is going to play better. I think is, is more comfortable. I think the Sanford game really, really helped him. And while the running game maybe didn't look all that great against Sanford this past weekend, Auburn didn't try to run it down their throat, and Sanford stacked the box. They were ready for it. They sold out to stopping the run against Auburn. And I think that's part of why you saw Auburn throw the football as much as they did. But this weekend against Texas A&M, Peyton Thorne has to be great. Has to be great. 
And not just with his completion percentage, not just with his touchdowns through the air. I think he's got to be great on the ground with his legs. I'm not saying he has to go for 100-plus like we saw this past weekend. But that has to be a factor. That has to be a threat that Texas A&M has to think about. And he also has to make the right decisions, make smart decisions. To me, that's been the biggest thing with Peyton Thorne is, okay, can he make the right call? Can he make the right play? Whether it's on the RPO, whether it's throwing the ball into double coverage, whether it's a check down, whether it's to take off and run. To me, in a close game like I think we're going to have on Saturday against Texas A&M, those split decisions by the starting quarterback in Peyton Thorne, that could be the difference in the ball game, folks. It could come down to something like that as a decision that's made by Peyton Thorne. I think it could be that razor thin. I really do. Because if he makes a decision to keep the ball and throw it deep into double coverage like we saw against Sanford, you can't do that against Texas A&M. If you decide to give it to the running back and he gets stuffed in the backfield for a four-yard loss when the quarterback could have kept in it ran it himself, that could get you beat on the road in the SEC. It's split decisions like that that I think Peyton Thorne through three weeks has progressively gotten better at making. And I hate to say it this way, but in a game like this, and most of your SEC games are going to be this way, The quarterback has to make the right decisions. He has to make smart decisions, and Auburn cannot turn the football over this weekend. I'm not saying you have to have literally zero, but you can't have three and four like we've seen. Auburn can't be throwing multiple interceptions. They can't be fumbling the football. They can't be muffing punts. Texas A&M's a good football team. They're extremely talented. And no matter what you think of Jimbo Fisher or Bobby Petrino, they've got good coaches. And it will be a good atmosphere. It's going to be a really good game on Saturday. Auburn has to do those things offensively to give them a chance to win. Sustain drives. Long drives. Help your defense out that is extremely banged up. And then defensively, Texas A&M loves to throw the football. They love to throw it. We've talked about it. They love to throw the football. And here's some stats. This is from Jason Caldwell from Auburn 247. Here's some stats offensively for Texas A&M. With Bobby Petrino calling the, making the calls. Through three games. Okay, through three games. Texas A&M is 12th nationally in scoring offense at 44 points per game and 11th nationally in passing offense at 337 yards per game. And in those three games, quarterback Connor Wegman has thrown it for 105 times for over 900 yards with eight touchdowns and two interceptions. Even in the loss to Miami, he had a good game. The defense just blew up. They had some turnovers late. But this is a good A&M offense. Auburn's going to be tested. We've talked about how good Auburn's defensive back room is, and I know they're banged up, but we've talked about how good they are. 
They're going to have a chance to prove it this weekend. They've got a great chance to prove it this weekend. Guys like DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, if he gets back in this weekend, J.D. Rim, they better be ready because A&M will throw the ball. Their running game hasn't been all that great, and Devin A-Chain I don't think is going to be there. So A&M is going to throw the ball to win this game, and Auburn's going to have to make some plays. You know what else that calls for? Getting pressure on the quarterback. Something Auburn's done a little bit of this season, but not to my liking yet. It's a great opportunity. This Saturday at 11 a.m. on the road, hostile environment. Think about if the defense plays out of their minds like they've been doing. Think about if the defense can play lockdown if a guy like Eugene Asante, who I talked to yesterday, What if he can go off for another game? And I'm not saying it has to be one player. But if the defense can get after Connor Wegman, maybe force a couple bad decisions, force some turnovers, and allow the offense to build that momentum, that's a huge advantage for you on the road. Auburn has to do those things this weekend. Because if you don't, A&M is good enough, talented enough, and well-coached enough to beat you at home on Saturday. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? What does Auburn have to do in your mind to win on the road this weekend at Texas A&M? Give me a call. you got a few more minutes. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll continue talking about this, plus question of the day coming up when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here on ESPN 1067 for the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you talking a little Auburn football um, as uh, the Tigers getting ready to travel to uh, Texas A&M, taking on the Aggies this weekend, 11 a.m. ESPN is the TV it'll be on. And, of course, you can find the broadcast here locally in the Auburn-Opelika area over on our sister station, Wings 94.3. So be sure you check that out Um, Saturday, trying to think the – uh, the entire schedule, it's going to be an early day for for everybody over there. It'll be uh, game day on Wings 94.3. We'll start, that is our pregame show with Jumpin' Jack Hudden and Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett. Those guys will be going live bright and early with coffee in hand at 7 a.m. So be sure uh, that you are tuning in for that. That rolls right into... Uh, the um, Tiger Tailgate Show on the Auburn Sports Network, countdown to kickoff, and then kickoff of Auburn versus Texas A&M at 11 a.m. So all of that here locally in Auburn, Opelika, on the newest flagship station for the Auburn Sports Network and for Auburn football, Wings 94.3. And it's the home of Auburn football, basketball, and um, Tiger Talk, which you can catch tonight at 6 o'clock over on Wings 94.3 as well. Uh, They'll be doing it from studio this week, and Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will be joining us in the next few minutes at the bottom of the hour um, to talk about Tiger Talk tonight and that game on Saturday. So be sure you're tuning in over there uh, tonight, Auburn High School football tomorrow, and then Auburn football on Saturday. So a busy, busy next few days over on Wings 94.3 and wingsfm.com. But before Brad Law joins us here in the next few minutes, a question of the day. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. 
Who needs a win this weekend in the SEC? Who's got a win? Who is desperate to put a W in the win in the on the schedule, if you will, for the SEC? And which teams are feeling good, and who's kind of stressing going into Saturday? When you look across the SEC, there are a couple of teams that desperately need a win. And I think you can look at Auburn and Texas A&M. I think you can look right there at the game we've already been talking about, the game that you all care the most about. I don't think Auburn needs a win. Auburn would love to have this win. And I've talked about how this is your best chance to get a win in the next four tries and how important that is for the outlook on the rest of the season. But Auburn doesn't need to win this game. You know who does? Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. They need a win bad here. They're already 2-1, and one, losing to a Miami team that they are better than. Because your next four games for Texas A&M, Auburn, Arkansas next week, another back-to-back 11 a.m. games at home for Texas A&M. That's brutal. That's brutal. Then you've got Alabama at home. So you do get three straight home SEC games. I don't see how they pulled that off. Before you go on the road to Tennessee, you play South Carolina at Ole Miss, and you end the year at LSU. Don't forget about that game. So the schedule actually isn't all that bad. But for an Auburn team that is rebuilding and an Auburn team that just isn't up to speed with the SEC, whatever they've been saying, and for a Texas A&M team that recruiting-wise is more talented than Auburn at every position should be, A&M can't afford to go 2-2 two and two to start the season because you know what that means? 8-4 and four is inevitable. And guess what? That's what Jimbo Fisher does. He's an 8-4 and four coach. Look at his records. He's an 8-4 and four coach. He's not good. And they're paying him millions and millions and millions of dollars to be average in a conference that's only getting tougher next year with Texas and Oklahoma. A&M is supposed to win this game, folks. I'm just telling you, they're supposed to win. And if they let Auburn come in and beat them again at home in Kyle Field, A&M fans are going to riot. They're going to riot. And those big money boosters and donors that have already have a blank check opened up for Jimbo, all they got to do is put the dollar amount and cross the T's and dot the I's. That's all they got to do. They're ready. They're ready to pull the trigger. They're done. They're done with Jimbo. Unless he does something. But if you start 2023 2-2, it's a bad look for Texas A&M. I think they need to win this weekend. I think Alabama needs a win this weekend. We know the status of that program. We know the status and the reactions to the fan base around there. We talked to Austin Hannon yesterday of Bama Central. He said, he told me, he said, Jacob, if Alabama doesn't win, the season's over because they're two and two. And at that point, you're not playing for a college football playoff. You're not playing for a trip to Atlanta in the SEC championship. And given the standards that have been set at Alabama, rightfully so, that's all they care about. And good for them. They've earned that. But you start the year two and two, as I was just saying with Texas A&M, 
season's done. And you will see Alabama fans cash in on the year and completely check out more than you ever have. Quote me on that. Quote me on that. If Alabama loses this weekend, their fans will be done. They're already calling for Saban's job, which is crazy. But if they lose this weekend, they will completely check out on the season to be done in 2023. They need a win this weekend. And when you look up and down, I think South Carolina needs a win too. They're one and two with Mississippi State coming to town. That's an underrated game this weekend. I said that a few days ago. Mississippi State at South Carolina, a Bulldogs team that just got destroyed by LSU on the road at South Carolina. If the Bulldogs find a way to win that, you know what that makes South Carolina? One and three. Yikes. One and three with Spencer Rattler as your quarterback? Can't happen if you're Shane Beamer. Gamecocks need to win this weekend as well. We'll talk some more Auburn and Texas A&M with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network who joins us when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are halfway through hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and joining us as he does every Thursday in hour number one, it is Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network as they are preparing for a Tiger Talk tonight and traveling to Texas A&M to College Station this weekend. Brad, how are you, man? Doing well, Jacob. Hope everybody there is having a good day also. Yes, we are. Just uh, another week in, in football season, and it's just busy as always. And I know uh, that you and everybody there at the Auburn Sports Network understands that better than most. As uh, as I mentioned, you guys getting ready for Tiger Talk tonight and then traveling uh, to College Station uh, this weekend. Uh, what, do you, what do you look forward to as Auburn opens up SEC play and making a trip like this to another SEC opponent? I am looking forward to seeing how – uh, the team comes out of the gate. I mean, uh, Texas A&M has started fast in all three of their games. Um, you know, typically a running game and defense are the things that travel. That's the adage in football, running game and defense travel. Well, Auburn has the top pass defense in the SEC through the first three games. Um, Auburn has the best running game in the SEC through three games. Statistically, pre-conference, admittedly with only one you know, true test uh, so far in those first three games, much like A&M, only one real test in the first three games, um, Auburn is the best in pass defense and in running the ball. So if those things travel, let's, let's you know, let's see that uh, Saturday morning in College Station. Let's see the team under 95-degree heat uh, by the middle and latter stages of the game. Let's see the team hold on to the ball. Let's see the team not commit penalties because 11 of Texas A&M's 81 first downs in the first three games have come by penalties. That's almost one, one first down every quarter, a drive extended once a quarter for A&M by a penalty by the opponent. And so, wow. you know, these are all the things that I want to see on Saturday and, and want to see Auburn execute well. 
What have you seen from Auburn in the first three games, Brad, including the, the most recent game against Sanford that, that has impressed you and maybe where Auburn has even grown and gotten better over the first three weeks as they do prepare to open up SEC play? I've been impressed by the play of the defense, particularly the back end of the defense, to be without a starting all-conference corner in Nehemiah Pritchett for the first three games. Um, we saw Cal throw right at Kay and Lee on their first offensive snap. Uh, we saw others, you know, we saw the secondary lose Keontae Scott and play without Donovan Kaufman last week. And so Caleb Wooden played a number of snaps in the game. J.D. Rim able to get an interception in his first game of the season. There's a lot of young talent back there in the secondary, and Auburn has been a, a program that has produced NFL defensive backs over the last, you know, nearly now a decade very consistently and the talent level I don't think is going anywhere and those meaningful reps in a game against Samford are so much different than reps just in the fourth quarter when the game's already decided um there's just a different feel different approach as a player different mentality so I've been most impressed with that I've been impressed with how intentional the coaching staff has been uh the way they you know felt like they had to try both quarterbacks intermittently against Cal that didn't work and so they came back and very purposefully said you know Robbie's not gonna get a lot of touches in this game especially in the first half and he didn't get any and you know we're gonna come out and pass the ball on first down the first two plays of the game at least were passing plays first and goal at the one back-to-back passes on first and second down and goal at the one probably don't have those calls in a you know I'll tell you this Baldwin gets down first and goal at the one yard line Saturday in College Station in the first quarter on the first drive of the game, I think they're going to try to run it in rather than throw it, but they needed to work on things. So I think the play of the secondary, the back end of the defense, and the intentionality of the coaches and the game plans through these first three games have most impressed me. Yeah, we've seen Auburn, you know, coming into the year. I talked about this a little bit earlier today. Coming into the year, Auburn, we knew was going to run the football with all of those big name running backs in the offensive line, which we assume would be better, and it is this season. Uh, and then against Sanford, it was very, very noticeable that, like you mentioned, they were going to throw the football, and they did. They over doubled their throwing attempts uh, from the California game to the Sanford game. But Brad, wouldn't you agree that there's got to be some sort of a balance this Saturday? on the road at Texas A&M between the run and the pass for Auburn to have a chance to win? Um, maybe, but a lot of that, remember, in this offense is going to be dictated by what the A&M defense does or, or their defensive alignment because every play that's called, every pass play that called has a run element. Every run play has a pass element, and a lot of that is Peyton Thorne getting to the line. He was, what, 13 of 15 passing on RPO plays. That's just that, and those are the ones where Auburn passed the ball, and so uh, the ones that were, you know, where Auburn ran the ball were productive as well. If A and M comes and stacks the box, and they put seven guys or eight guys in the box, then yeah, the play maybe has a run component, but you're not just going to run into the teeth of it. Um, that's going to open up things in the passing game, and that's why when you look just at the stats from the Sanford game, and you go, well, clearly they were passing more, they were working on it, it was out of balance. Well, kind of. But a lot of that had to do with Samford selling out to stop the run. That led to some big plays in the passing game. I promise you, if Texas A&M tries to load the box, tries to cheat safeties down and, uh, and have them really jet in toward the line as soon as the ball is snapped, 
If they want to leave their cornerbacks on an island, if they want to leave their defensive backs in one-on-one matchups against Rivaldo Fairweather or Jay Fair coming across the, the middle of the field who has excellent hands, runs great routes, um, if that's what they want to do, then I think Auburn would be very happy to throw the ball nine out of ten times and, and leave balance in the locker room and just make plays in the passing game. Um, that's why I like this offense. It is very hard to scheme against because there are multiple options off of almost every play. And if the defense does one thing, there's a, you know, there's a cat and mouse to every defensive call uh, for, for Auburn in the playbook. So that's what I'm looking for is not necessarily a balance in run plays, pass plays, but the decisions that Peyton Thorne makes at the line, the decisions that Avery Young and Peyton Thorne uh, tag team and, and make together at the line of scrimmage, are those the right decisions consistently? And if so, I think Auburn has a has a good day ahead of it. Yeah, I think this will be the, the first time that Auburn fans get to see what this offense really is under Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery this Saturday on the road at Texas A&M. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joining me on the phone lines. He's our weekly Thursday guest at 2.30. Brad, this Texas A&M offense, on the other hand, they like to throw the football as well as quarterback Connor Tuckman uh, currently has... And apologize about the feedback there. Brad, we still got you on the line. I had a little feedback coming through. Yeah. Okay. So got I, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Got you now. Yeah. I had a little feedback coming through. My apologies, maybe on our end. But um, again, Connor Wegman uh, throwing for eight touchdowns and two interceptions so far this season. Um, they throw for over, and their offense throwing over 330 yards per game. What does Auburn have to do defensively in a back end that is a little banged up to try to slow down that AM offense? Well, the return of Donovan, Donovan Kaufman is huge. It would be huge if Nehemiah Pritchett can get out there, but I guarantee if Nehemiah's out there, they'll go after him on the first play, all SEC or not, because A&M trusts their receivers. They have some absolutely phenomenal receivers. They've had four 100-yard receiving games in their first three. Evan Stewart has two of those. He was banged up, didn't play against ULM, but he's, he's gonna, you know he's going to give it a go. Noah Thomas is six six and has track speed. Um you know, he's unbelievable. And then there's the veteran, Anaya Smith, who had a 100-yard game, seven catches, a buck 27 against ULM. If Wigman has time, these receivers are talented enough to find space, create space. So Auburn's defense has to make him uncomfortable. A&M's offensive line has given up 15 tackles per loss, or tackles for loss, and they've given up five sacks through the first three games. Gave up a couple to Miami, a couple to... Uh, New Mexico in the first game, and then one to, to ULM. Again, really only one big test for, for A&M through the first three games. But I, I, you didn't see a lot of the exotic blitzes and a lot of the pressures from Auburn's defense last week for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're protecting the young guys on the back end uh, because who are having to play more because of injuries in the secondary last week. And also because Sanford was trying to get the ball out pretty quickly. And reason three, you just didn't have to. You, you're going to control the game with just the 11 one-on-one matchups without having to get to exotic. I think you're going to see Donovan Kaufman. I think you're seeing corners, linebackers. I think you see a Jalen McLeod who's close to 100%, and Auburn's got to win. Got to have that to win the game. If if Connor Wickman's throwing from a clean pocket majority of the game, uh, that's how Texas A&M wins. That's how they're able to overcome the Auburn defense, which has been – uh, the best in pass coverage so far in the SEC this year. If Auburn can get him uncomfortable, 
he can make mistakes. He has made mistakes. And I love this defense because it's unpredictable. You know, you may show a certain look and then bring pressure. You may show the exact same look and not bring pressure. Or you may show the exact same look uh, inverted but bring pressure the same way that you did the first time. It's, it, it's really tough to patternize it. And I, that's one of the reasons I like Auburn in this matchup is its ability to make Wigman, who is just an outstanding quarterback, uncomfortable. Uh, that's what Auburn has to do against him. There's been a lot of talk this week, Brad, about this game, just the different storylines coming into it for both programs. Um, Auburn having a good chance to get SEC playoff to a hot start with this tough four-game stretch that includes Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. And then on the flip side, Texas A&M already has that one loss on the year. If they start 2-2, two and two, Aggie fans may burn down the football facility. I mean, how does all that play into what is should be a really, really good game on Saturday morning? I said on uh, Village Vice with Zach Blackerby today that A&M is going to play Saturday like a desperate team. Auburn is going to play like a motivated team. Now, now both characteristics are forms of, of motivation. I think Auburn's comes from a more positive place, obviously. I think there's a lot of internal togetherness and belief and a desire to win for the guy beside you and not necessarily to avoid a negative outcome. You know, when we do things in life for something positive and proactive, it tends to give us a better result than doing something to avoid a negative outcome. Um, most of the time, anyway, I guess, I mean, surely there, there are you know, exceptions to that. But most of the time, if we're doing something for a positive, proactive reason, it's a whole lot better than doing something to avoid a negative outcome. And that's what I think you have. Those, those, we'll find out who's more motivated the desperate team or the team that simply believes in itself and wants to make a statement and and, uh, and doesn't really have a lot to lose. Texas A&M has a lot to lose. So either they will play extremely focused and determined, and we're going to know early in the ballgame, uh-oh, this team's on a mission, or they're going to play tight. And the first sign of trouble causes them to tilt the other way a little bit. And it's a happy day for, for Auburn fans. Those are two, two ways that it could go. That Auburn team's going in with nothing to lose. That Auburn team is going in believing that it can win the matchups on the line of scrimmage. They're going in believing they can win the matchups in the secondary. The wide receivers believe they can win one-on-one matchups. There's not a player, I guarantee you, in those pretty all-white uniforms that does not think he can whip the guy in front of him on Saturday. And that belief is a powerful thing. Yes, it is, and, and I think that's going to give Auburn a really, really good chance to win this game on Saturday. Brad, also, before we let you go, how big is it that this is not the first road game of the year? Typically, you let, you know early on you see that your SEC opener could be on the road, but Auburn's already made that long road trip out to California, so maybe that takes you know take that out of the equation a little bit. Auburn, they've already made that road trip one time, and so they're pretty comfortable, hopefully, with their road routine. You know, I asked Hugh Freeze about that in an interview that will air on Tiger Talk tonight, and he's awfully good at the all shucks sandbagging thing. He's so, but but I, I you know, I say that though, kind of tongue in cheek. I don't think he's sandbagging. I don't I don't think he's doing all shucks. I don't think he really means it. We've seen that kind of candid uh, nature from Auburn's football coach. He his answer was, I don't know, maybe a little. I mean, the environment in College Station is much better 
Better is a generic word. It's a much more ferocious environment. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not Baton Rouge. It's not Gainesville. It's not those kind of places at night. But um, it's going to be a rowdier crowd than what Auburn ran into in Berkeley. That's for sure. The talent's going to be a whole lot better. When it comes down to it, the guy hitting you is the one that you got to be concerned with and not the ones that are screaming at you. Uh, but, you know, the fact that they've been on a bus and then been on a plane and then, you know, they've done the – the whole road trip routine. They've not played at a game at 11 o'clock in the morning. That'll be a little different, but that's typically better for the visiting team uh, than than a night game or an afternoon game. So, um, you know, maybe it helps a little bit, but I, I go back to what I said just a couple of seconds ago. The guy that hits you on the field in the different jersey and the guy you're hitting, that's far more important than the guys who are yelling at you. It's going to be hot. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be loud. You know those things. It will not surprise any of these guys that are on the field. And that's what, you know, one of the reasons I like Auburn in the game, too, is, uh, or another reason I like Auburn, they got a lot of veterans on this team. Avery Jones, the center, has a lot on his shoulders. He's got to make the defensive calls. He's got to be able to call out the fronts and identify them. And, well, he's done it for a couple of years. Yeah, he did it at ECU. He's not been in an environment like this before, but he's not going to be rattled by it. Um, Auburn's got poised at a lot of key positions on the field. Well, Auburn has, uh, you mentioned it, experience. They've got, I think, a lot of confidence, and as they should, as they go on the road for their SEC opener against Texas A&M, kickoff at 11 a.m. on Saturday. The Tiger Tailgate Show will begin at 8 a.m. local time. Uh, you can find that over on Wings 94.3 here locally in Auburn and Opelika. Also, Tiger Talk tonight over on Wings 94.3 beginning at 6 p.m. Brad, let the people know what uh, what they can hear tonight on Tiger Talk. Yeah, I'm going to be plenty of talk about this football game. We have Coach Freeze for about half the show. We will talk to the Texas A&M play-by-play man, Andrew Monaco. Uh, he will uh, will sit down one-on-one with us, and he's one of the best. He's just such a nice guy, unreal. Uh, so that conversation is coming up tonight. And then volleyball opens its conference season tomorrow night at Neville Arena. We'll have a conversation with head coach Brent Crouch on the show tonight as well. A lot of football with a little bit of volleyball thrown in. Awesome, Brad. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Y'all have a fantastic time, a safe trip to College Station, and uh, do your best to bring home a win for Auburn, all right? We'll do it, Jacob. Appreciate it very much. War Eagle, have a great day. Thanks, you too, Brad. We'll talk to you next week. Same day, same time here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. That is Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Joins me every Thursday at 2.30 here on ESPN 106.7. They'll be making the trip to College Station, calling the football game for Auburn as they take on Texas A&M in their SEC opener. We'll be right back and wrap up hour number one before we welcome in Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge. He'll join me at the top of the hour at 3 o'clock here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Couple of more minutes here in hour number one on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We appreciate Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network, who joins me every Thursday here on the show, talking Auburn football and what the Tigers have to do uh, to come back with a win and be four and zero after their trip to Texas A&M this weekend. All the Albert Sports Network guys will be making the trip to College Station. Again, we wish them uh, safe travels uh, there and back, um, and a great call on Saturday for Auburn football 
versus Texas A&M. And, and I think he brought up an interesting point, did he not? He brought up a really interesting point comparing, you know, I asked him about the storylines going into this game, you know, talking about how Auburn Auburn has a chance to get off to a 4-0 start, 1-0 in SEC play before your next three games, which are, are brutal. Let's just be honest. They're brutal over the next few weeks for Auburn. So they have a really good chance to get a win before what could be a rough stretch. Compared to Texas A&M, like I mentioned, who has to get a win this weekend. And Brad put it in really good perspective. He said Auburn is going to play as a motivated and confident team, while Texas A&M is going to play as a desperate team. And I think that's spot on. I think he's 100% right. Because Auburn does have the confidence that they can win this game. They do believe they're the better football team and have better athletes and better coaches, even if the numbers say otherwise whereas Texas A&M yet again here they are with head coach Jimbo Fisher they're in a situation they're coming into a game that they feel like they have to win where Jimbo has to win to to sort of save his job I don't think they fire him if he loses this game but the heat will be cranked up on his office chair you better believe it if they lose on Saturday And maybe that carries over to the players. Maybe it carries over to the preparation and to the fans and to the atmosphere there in College Station. All that's a factor on Saturday. Does that help them play better? Or do they play tight and timid and make mistakes and are so scared to lose the game that Auburn goes in there and dominates? Who knows? But I think Brad brings up a really interesting point. Hour number one officially in the books. Stay tuned. We'll start off hour number two with Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, as we talk about Auburn's big win over the Jag Jaguars, 46 to nothing, and the Tigers back home for just the second time this year against Percy Julian. Plus, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us coming up in hour number two. Don't you dare turn that radio dial. Hour number two coming up. Production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio uh, here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, you know the drill. Be sure to go and catch up with the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search On the Line or you can visit our website and find it in our podcast center at ESPN au.com uh talk to auburn football and what they've got to do uh to 
get a win and play well and get a win this weekend versus Texas A&M. Plus, we talked with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network and got his thoughts on Auburn and Texas A&M this weekend. So, if you missed any of the first hour, again, we post that commercial free right after the show. You can go and find the podcast at ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcast. But as always here in football season, to start off hour number two on a Thursday afternoon, we have Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, and the Tigers coming off a big win last Friday. Coach, hope you're doing well, man, and uh, appreciate you being on the show once again. Yes, sir. Thank you. appreciate y'all having me. Well, let's uh, let's talk about last week a little bit. Auburn High goes on the road yet again <laughs> and uh, had to take on the uh, newly named Jag Jaguars. And uh, Auburn, you guys played well. Your team performed extremely well, Coach, and you get a 46 to nothing victory, moving you to 3-1 and one on the season, 2-1 and one in region play. What did you see from your team last Friday night? I thought we played really well. I thought the uh... – the uh you know all the quarterbacks that um, we played four quarterbacks the other night so uh i thought all four of them played well i think that you know we had we had two guys get their first varsity touchdown throw no three guys actually got their first varsity touchdown throws and you know uh, i thought i thought that was good um you know it's one of them things we're just we're just surviving right now we're we're trying to find some answers and uh i think our guys are responding well though yeah, what uh, what's the status on that quarterback room, and then your your quarterback who was injured, uh, a Kilgore? What if there's an update on him, and then what's your kind of feeling about with this quarterback room right now? Yeah, uh, Jackson's looking good. You know, he's going. He started rehab. He started, you know, uh, getting some movement and and things like that. So he's doing really well. Good. You know, uh, we're hoping to get him back for the end of the season. Uh, you know, um, I think that. I think all the guys that are working that position right now are doing doing great. You know, our kids work really hard, so that's one thing I'm very proud of. You know, these kids come in, they they work their tails off, they do everything the right way, and you know, they they just they grind, and you know, really proud of them for for being that those type of kids. And our kids are blue collar kids; they they're going to work hard. Well, the offense performed well. You mentioned getting multiple quarterbacks in the rotation. You score 46 points, but you also pitch your first shutout of the season uh, for the defensive side of the yeah. football. What did you see from those guys that impressed you again in a 46 nothing win? Well, we, we gave up negative yards uh, uh, on offense. That's impressive. For, yeah, so that, that was really, really good, always good. You know, they had some issues with some snap stuff, I think. Uh, they, were, they were working a new quarterback also. Friday night um so I think you know they were feeling some of our woes too <laughs> so uh but you know I think that coach does a great job with those guys over there and it's just you know it, it's it's one of them things where you know uh we, we scored 44 points in the first half you know uh so we were letting a lot of young guys play that second half well, it's it's you know in a game where you win in in a forty six to nothing victory, I gotta ask after those first three games where you were playing four quarters of football, how does it feel to kind of yeah. get a win to where maybe you weren't as stressed throughout the entire game and get one of those big wins as you move forward? It's great seeing those young guys get to play. <laughs> you know, it's always good to see those young guys get an opportunity to play, uh, to get those guys in there, to get them experience, to to. Uh, to be able to relax a little bit, yeah, on the sideline. But you're still you're you're still never really relaxed right. out there. You're always thinking thinking about, you know, getting guys in, thinking about, you know, 
you know, getting those young guys some some quality reps, and you know, trying to think who to who to partner guys with and who to you know. There's always something going through your mind over there. That's right. Well, as you look forward this week, Coach Auburn High, as I mentioned, you guys are back home over at Duck Sanford Stadium for just the second time this season. That itself has to feel wonderful to not have to travel far away and get to play in front of the home Auburn High fans with the new video board and just everything that comes with playing a home game at Duck Sanford Stadium. But you're playing the newly named Percy Julian. Uh, What can you tell us about that team and what you'll see on Friday? Very athletic. You know, they got we got some great athletes. We're going to have to make sure that we, you know, don't don't allow them to get the big play. You know, uh, make them make them take the ball and drive it down the field if they're going to put points on the board. You know, and you know our defense has our defense has been great about that all year long. We haven't allowed a lot of big plays, um, so you know we're just looking to continue to do that. You know, if people are going to score points, we've got to make them work for them. You know, and I, I think that but Percy Julian, you know, they got a lot of good athletes, so. It's going to be a tall task to keep them from from making some big plays. Is there anybody on that on that Percy Julian team, offensively or defensively, that you guys have had to sort of of, of hone in on this week in practice and make sure, okay, these guys or this guy in particular just cannot beat us on Friday night? Yeah, their quarterback's really good. Um, he he can scramble, really gets out of the pocket well, look gets looks downfield well. You know, uh, really good at delivering the ball downfield, and he, there's some. They've got some good receivers, you know. So, um, and defensively, they're pretty good up front. You know, I, they they really get after the quarterback, really get get try to get a lot of penetration, and you know, so we're gonna have to play well and not turn the ball over, take care of the football, and just you know, make them earn everything they get. What have you seen, and we're talking with Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. What have you seen from around the region, Coach? I know you you always want to focus on your team and your players and your coaches, but what have you seen so far from other schools like Central and Opelika and some of those schools that maybe you have played and some of the ones that you'll play coming up in the next few weeks? Yeah, every you know, our region's really tough. I mean, you any any given night, you don't go out, you don't play well, you know, and you you'll get beat. Um, so you really got to come prepared every every Friday night. You know, uh, of course, you know Central and Oak had a great game the other night. Both of those teams played well. You know, uh, Central, you know, they've got the dynamic receiver, quarterbacks. You know, all their skill positions are, are very very athletic. Um, and then you got Opelika. Their defensive front is probably as good as anybody's. You know, um, got some good secondary guys. The quarterback is probably one of the best in the state, Gagliano. Uh, so they've got a really, really good team. Um, then you got Dothan, Prattville, you know, uh, Enterprise uh, are all quality teams or playoff teams. And, you know, the, the, the bad thing is you, You've got six or seven playoff teams in this region, mm-hmm. you know, but there's only four spots. <laughs> so it's a dogfight. It is a dogfight for those playoff spots. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's just so much talent, man. There's so much talent in this region, and there's so many great coaches yep. as well. And, and like you said, man, if you don't show up every Friday night, it doesn't matter if they're 0-4 or if they're undefeated. I mean, if you don't show up and play in, in, in 7A football yep. in the state of Alabama, you are going to get beat on a Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got – Jeb Kennedy over at Dothan, who does a great job with those guys. You got, you know, Eric Speakman at Opelika, who does a great job. Coach Nix at 
at uh at Central. You know, you got Coach Wallace at Prattville. You know, so, so many good coaches in this region and so many quality teams. And you know, it, it's you know at the end of the, at the end of the year, you know, it's tough to see really good teams not make the playoffs. But you know, I've been here. This is my third year. And this is going to be my third year. There'll be some teams that are left out of the playoffs that are really good football teams. Well, I mentioned earlier, Coach, that you guys are back home at the Duck uh, for just the second time this season. You only have four home games in this 2023 season. How do you take advantage of a night like tomorrow night where um, you're going up against a solid team but have a good chance to win? How do you take advantage of one of your few home games here this season? Well, it's homecoming tomorrow night, so a lot of things going on this week, you know. So um, we're trying to get our kids to make sure that they focus on on playing football, you know, and not focused on the other things. So how how are you um, doing that, Coach? Because I know, look, you're dealing with high school kids now, and it's homecoming. I remember those days. Like you gotta you gotta get away from the events and the dances and all that. You gotta get them focused and ready for tomorrow night. How you doing that? Yeah, we just tell them focus on football. You know, all the all the other stuff's great for all the other kids. You know, all the other guys get to have a, a lot of fun, you know, going to all the fluff parties and all that stuff. But we need to focus on football and we need to get better, you know, this week. And, you know, the the fun in homecoming is winning. There you go. There you go. That's absolutely right. Well, it's fun for the guys on the field and the coaches, but it also is fun for the other students and for the fans who I know will be okay. packed inside of the duck tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. We're looking for a big crowd tomorrow night. Well, it should be a lot of fun. Auburn High taking on, uh, again, the newly named Percy Julian over at Duck Sanford Stadium. You can catch the broadcast over on Wings 94.3 with Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, and Jack Cudden. Uh, pre-game 6.30, kickoff at 7 over on the home of the Auburn High School Sports Network, Wings 94.3 and wingsfm.com. Coach Keith Etheridge, what does your team have to do well tomorrow night uh, to get their fourth win of the season and defeat Percy Julian at home? Uh, just contain the big play. Don't let them make the big play. Make them earn everything they get. You know, pre-snap penalties, I say this every week, you know, pre-snap penalties will kill you. You know, we got to cut down on pre-snap penalties. We've doing, been doing real well on that, you know, uh, and just control the football. You know, the less, the less they have the football, the less chances they have to make those big plays. So we got to control the football. Uh, I think, you know, we've got some edges in the kicking game in the special teams, you know, with Towns Magoo. Towns Magoo just received his uh, uh, Under Armour All-American jersey this awesome. week. Awesome, awesome, man! Yeah, that's fantastic. That game, so uh, real excited, really excited about that. So um, you know, hopefully we'll get him a chance to to kick him a six-two, six-three yarder and beat that that state record. Well, yeah, there's sir. there's no doubt he's got a he's got a great leg and a chance to make it if you put him out there in that situation, man. Absolutely. He is he is unbelievable, and not just because it's seven a. I mean, any level of football, man. He is he's going to be kicking at the next level, right? Oh, absolutely. He'll be a, he'll be a guy. I think you'll see on Sundays eventually. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. What a huge advantage that is to have in high school football. Should give you guys a great oh, yeah. chance to win tomorrow night. Auburn High School taking on Percy Julian, hosting Percy Julian for homecoming over at Duck Sanford Stadium. Uh, again, they have a chance to move to four and one this season and get another region game. Head coach Keith Etheridge joining me on the phone lines. He joins me every Thursday to start off hour number two. Coach, I look forward to this every single week, and I do appreciate your time and uh, good luck to you guys tomorrow night thank y'all guys appreciate y'all for having me that is 
Keith Etheridge, the Auburn High School head football coach. He joins me every Thursday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Really good guy, and he's got a really good team as well. They've dealt with some injury problems, especially at that quarterback spot. Um, But sounds like they are uh, working through it, trying to uh, just, I mean, you got to manage it, right? I mean, injuries happen everywhere, right? Injuries happen everywhere to every team at every position, and um, especially in 7A football, man, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. So you got to find a way to, to figure it out, and it seems like Auburn High is doing that so far. And they will host uh, Percy Julian tomorrow for homecoming. And I'm, I'm glad he brought that up because that is a, a little bit of, of a challenge when, uh, when you have homecoming to try and uh, keep your players focused. I know Lee Scott, the team that I call for over just a couple of miles from here, uh, it's homecoming for them tomorrow night as well, home uh, against Macon East Academy. So, look, we've all been there before, right? We've all been high schoolers, and homecoming is a its a busy time. It's a fun week. There's a lot going on, a lot of other distractions outside of the game of football. So uh, you got to find a way to keep your guys focused, hungry, and ready. And I think Auburn High will be when they play Percy Julian tomorrow night over at Duck Sanford Stadium. And again, you can tune into the broadcast tomorrow night and every Friday night in football season for Auburn High School over on the Auburn High School Sports Network, which is on Wings 90. 4-3. Pre-game at 6.30. Kickoff at 7 p.m. tomorrow night on Wings and WingsFM.com. Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, Jack Cudden will have the call for you there. And then I uh, will be live with my color commentator, Christian Griffin. We'll be live on AU100, which is 100.3 on your radio dial, and AU100FM.com for Lee Scott versus Macon East as the Warriors coming off a loss last week to uh, Glenwood. Um, very, very Un, I mean, just unnatural territory, really, for Lee Scott in the last year and a half. That's the first game they've lost. And they went undefeated last year, and they started out undefeated this year, and they took their first loss last week to uh, to Glenwood. So they'll be trying to bounce back against the Macon East squad. I'm looking forward to that tomorrow night. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff at 7. So be sure you're flipping back and forth on a Friday night between Wings 94.3 and AU100, which is 100.3. But again, big thank you to head coach Keith Etheridge. He joins me every Thursday, and I do appreciate him and his time. And we wish nothing but the best and best of luck to Auburn High School tomorrow as they take on Percy Julian. When we come back, we'll have our question of the day. We talked a little bit about this in hour number one, bringing it back up here in hour number two, looking at college football for week four and a massive weekend with so many top 25 matchups and some big matchups in the SEC. That's the conference I want to focus on here. Who has to win? Who needs a win on Saturday in college football? Give me a call. We got some time. I want to hear from you. 334 321 1390. Who needs a win this weekend in college football? We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Oh, goodness. Here we go again. Here we go again. If you're on Twitter or if you have checked Twitter in the last uh, 14 minutes, to be exact, Auburn football's Twitter account, or X, whatever you want to call it, I will. I, it's still Twitter. I don't care. It's still Twitter. Always has been, always will be. 
14 minutes ago, Auburn Football's Twitter account tweeted out. They said, we hear y'all like orange with an orange emoji in the sideways eyes. And everybody underneath is saying, here we go again. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't remember what I'm talking about, do you remember last year when Auburn teased orange jerseys and orange face masks and orange everything? And they ran with this forever, and Auburn fans got their hopes up like I've never seen before, and it stirred up the fan base like nothing I've ever seen (laughs) in Auburn history. And it was about the uniform. You had half the fan base saying, no, don't change it. Tradition is tradition. Auburn's got clean uniforms. Why would we do that? And then you had the other fans saying, give us orange everything. We want orange versus Penn State. Well, we're at it again. But I'm just going to be straight up with you. Auburn is not doing orange jerseys this weekend. They may never do it. But if they were going to do it, they're not going to do it this weekend. They're on the road. They're on the road. Auburn wears white on the road. And by the way, Auburn's road uniforms, the Stormtroopers, the all-whites, those are so clean. They're so clean. They look so good. I think it's Take the biasy away, just legitimately looking at the uniform itself. It's one of the cleanest uniform combinations in college football. I firmly believe that. But what is Auburn planning on doing? I don't know. I don't know what they're planning on doing. Some of the comments are hilarious. Somebody said, I'm not doing this again. Somebody said, uh, I mean, people are just, he said, somebody said, I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> somebody said, not this again. So here's my prediction. If you want to talk about this for the next few minutes, I don't think Auburn's going orange uniforms. I think we can all kind of put that to the wayside, but I do think they're going to do orange face masks, which I think would look pretty good on the all whites. You'd still have the white helmet the white jersey, the white pants, white socks and shoes. But maybe an orange face mask on the road with those whites? I think that would look good. What do you think about that? I think it would look good. I do like the all white, right? Because you've seen the blue face mask and then they did the white face mask. Was that when they went on the road to Penn State? Is that when they did that? When they went to Penn State and Happy Valley, they brought out the white face masks? Which was kind of funny because Penn State did their white out that game and Auburn was wearing all white. Um, But I think that's probably what this is about. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're probably going to get orange face masks on Saturday, but I don't think the Auburn fan base is going to flip out like they did the first time because my goodness, what what a stir that caused last year. And it was all for nothing, of course. And it was all for nothing because Auburn got destroyed in the football game but we'll see we'll see what it is everybody the the comments under this post are hilarious they're absolutely hilarious go to x or twitter whatever you want to call it and it's the auburn football account they tweeted out 17 minutes ago we hear y'all like orange with the orange emoji so we'll see what they end up doing either way you got to show up and play well and win the football game so um and you could talk about uniform combinations and stuff all you want but auburn's got to show up and win and they've got to show up and play. You got to show up and play well, first of all. Show up and play well, and then try to win, and then we can go on from there. So my prediction: orange face masks.
That's what I think it'll be. I don't think you'll see anything crazier than that. Maybe orange cleats or something. Um, But I don't think I'd want to see it that much because, again, I love the road whites. I don't really like messing with the road whites all that much. I think they look really, really good. I think the orange face mask would look good. But any more than that, I don't want to mess with the roads. Now, the home uniforms, yeah, I think you can have a little bit of fun with if you're Auburn. But don't mess with the road whites all that much, man. They're so clean. The stormtroopers, they're so good looking, and I hope they don't mess with those all that much. But I did want to mention that. I saw that during the break, and I was like, oh, my gosh, here we go. (laughs) Here we go again, man. And that's what everybody's saying under the post right now. Everybody's saying, I'm not getting my hopes up for this again. I'm not doing it. Not going to do it. But you know by Saturday morning, we're all going to be wondering what's Auburn going to look like when they come out. So we'll see, but I did want to mention that. Um, Got a few more minutes before Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joins me on the phones. Um, My question of the day was this. Who needs a win this weekend? In the SEC in particular, but in college football in general is fine too. Who has to win? Who is desperate for a win this weekend in college football? And the three that I named in the SEC, I said Alabama because... I'm being told, and my people tell me, if they don't win, it's over. Season's over. Dynasty's over. They're cashing in, throwing in the towel. They're done. Alabama's history, right? If they don't win this weekend, which, to an extent, yeah, I kind of agree with. Because Alabama's got to find a way to win and try to save themselves, save their season, and save their fan base for going through something they haven't had to go through in a long, long time. I think they're up there. I said South Carolina. I think South Carolina needs a win this weekend over Mississippi State. The Gamecocks are 1-2, and two, ladies and gentlemen. 1-2. and two. They somehow lose this game at home at night to Mississippi State. They'll be 1-3. and three. They may run Shane Beamer out of Columbia before the fourth quarter's on. And then I said Texas A&M. I think A&M needs a win. You heard Brad Law talk about it in the first hour. You've heard other people talk about it so far, and I'm sure Chris Gordy will have some words about this. Texas A&M, it's now or never, do or die. People are saying that about Alabama. I agree with that. And I think it's do or die for Texas A&M. Look at it from their perspective really quickly. For a program that has out-recruited almost everybody in the country the last four to five seasons, what have they done? For a program that's paying a coach more than any other program, what have they done? For a program that wants to be a legitimate contender in college football, given the circumstances around this football game right now, given the circumstances around both of these programs, this is a game that Texas A&M is supposed to win. They're supposed to win it. And if they want to be a legitimate SEC contender for years to come, this is a game you're supposed to win. That's just a fact. That's a fact. They're supposed to win this game. And if they want to be a legit program, you have to consistently win this game with where the programs are right now. If Auburn gets better like we think they will, then no, that won't be the case. But here in 2023, a and supposed to win this game. They need to win this weekend as well. We'll talk to Chris Gordy about this. 
who is the host of the Locked on SEC podcast, you know he's got some thoughts about what happened last weekend in the SEC and what's coming up this weekend around the conference as well. Stay tuned. He'll tell you like it is around the Southeastern Conference when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and joined by Chris Gordy, who is the host of the Locked on SEC podcast, has joined me every Thursday at this time for a long, long time now. And Chris, I hope you're doing well, man. Uh, The biggest question that I've been asking you the last couple of weeks, because the conference is still disappointed, what's going on around this SEC in football, man? It's disappointing everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was uh, I did a, <clears throat> a radio hit earlier this week, and somebody asked me, based on what we've seen through the first three weeks, is LSU the most impressive team in the SEC? And I was like, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting argument coming off of what they just did to Mississippi State. Georgia, of course, still the reigning national champs, number one team in the country. They're 3-0 and undefeated, but, you know, they, they did not look great against South Carolina, and frankly, they haven't looked dominant you know through the first couple weeks of the season they've been banged up a lot and the thought is you know maybe eventually they get everybody healthy lad mcconkey not going to play again this week so that's four weeks Mm. into the season we haven't even seen one of their better wide receivers uh brock bowers has been a little bit banged up his numbers have not been all that great so it's just they've had all these different things going on and yet here they are still undefeated and we're going what's wrong with georgia so i i think it's just we have a high-level standard for a lot of people, particularly Alabama, and them not living up to uh, expectations, and then a bunch of teams ter- taking all those early-season non-conference losses. I think that's where everybody is kind of like, what is the SEC? But I think we're going to find out this weekend from a couple teams who, who's good and who's not. Yeah, well, a lot of teams really getting underway in SEC play this weekend. But before we look at those games, got to recap what happened last week, and you started to uh, get into that a little bit. Georgia uh, got off to the slow start against South Carolina. They end up coming back and winning by double digits. Uh, There was the uh, near disaster in South Florida for Alabama, as they do win, but their fans pretty much treated it like a loss. Uh, Florida beats Tennessee because everybody had that one picked last week. and and I think you called that, didn't you, Chris? You said Tennessee was on upset watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was feeling it earlier in the week and then come by Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, definitely when I was on your show by Thursday last week, I was saying take Florida in the straight-up upset. And uh, it played out. I mean, look, the, the thing was, and, and this was just, you know, my, my meetings, um, you know, getting to talk with Joe Milton a couple times throughout the offseason and media days and the Manning Passing Academy, I just – I saw a guy that was like very confident in himself, a little cocky with the big goal, uh, you know, big uh, uh, chain with the number seven with the, the diamonds in it, and wearing sunglasses inside, all this, and like just kind of comparing and contrasting to Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, very uh, humble, very you know, just just a guy who wanted to be that leader, confident in himself, but like just led by example. And, and Joe Milton, I saw a little bit more like the acting like he's arrived before he's arrived. And I know he's a six-year guy who, you know, played a, a couple years at Michigan, and now he's at Tennessee. But I was kind of like, I was a little hesitant on Milton. I was like, let me see you 
you know, let me see you put up the numbers first before we start acting like you're the next, you know, hot thing in, in the SEC. And lo and behold, he did not have a good game down in the swamp. And, um, you know, they kind of have to hit the reset button there in Tennessee and really figure out how to get him get him going. So, uh, yeah, it just it was a vibe I had, and I kept looking at it and seeing that uh, Florida was going to get their uh, starting center back, Kingsley Walken, and Trevor Atien said last week, he's our field general. And I just said, that right there tells me all I need to know, that Florida's going to run the football much better against Tennessee than they had. And we saw that play out this past week. And, uh, yeah, lo and behold, Florida is not the dumpster fire that everybody was trying to make them out to be. And I think Billy Nacre is actually a pretty good coach. Now, will he survive there for the long term? We'll find out. But uh, he knows a little bit of something, what he's doing there. And I think, you know, when I heard that five-and-a-half win total at the start of the season, I said, if Florida can't get the six wins, we got some big, bigger issues here. Uh, and Billy Napier might as well just be fired right on the spot. So, big win for Florida. And uh, I think they're still going to sneak up on some people and win another game or two that they're not supposed to. Wow. Okay. I like it. I like it because everybody, myself included, was not extremely high on that Florida team. I like Billy Napier. I think he's a great coach. I think he walked into a really tough situation in Gainesville. But I hope he can turn it around, and, and that's a great start to get the win over Tennessee you had some other games LSU their dominating win over Mississippi State uh, Missouri with the walk-off win over Kansas State a top 15 team Missouri's 3-0 and because sure why not um, and you had Vanderbilt lose to UNLV that's a tough one and then BYU going on the road and winning in Fayetteville I mean it's, it's just been a weird year for this conference Chris that's all I can say it has and again like I don't think it means a team is bad like I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, you know, yeah, Arkansas, they, they didn't play a, a, a good game down the stretch against BYU, and they blew it. You know, probably should have won that game, but they let it slip away. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they go into Baton Rouge and give LSU a game. And I had a few people go, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Arkansas stinks. And I said, this is, we got to stop overreacting to what happens in a week. Like, we see this every year in the SEC. Somebody plays a bad game, they get upset, they lose, and then the next week they regroup and give their best effort. And they win. Like it's, it, This happens every year in the SEC, yet we, we want to make sweeping generalizations when a team loses and go, oh, they suck. I mean, I watch people do it week one against LSU. You know, they, they lost to a good Florida State team. They'll put up 450 yards of offense. And yet everybody said, oh, Brian Kelly sucks. Brian Kelly's not cut out to win the SEC. And all this stupid stuff. And now here we are two weeks later talking about LSU as one of the best teams in the SEC. So it's just it's overreaction. It's what we do in college football. But – um, you know, one plus one doesn't always equal two. It's, it's just because the team stunk last week does not mean that they're going to come out and stink this week. And, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Well, that's the good thing is in this weekend of college football, it, it really the whole weekend of college football is, is awesome, Chris, but particularly in the SEC, I mean, there are just so many good matchups for, and there's really some good opportunities uh, for some of these teams to prove if they are really that good, or maybe some of these teams to try to rebound and try to prove maybe we're not just that bad. Uh, you have Auburn and Texas A&M. Definitely want to get your thoughts on that one. Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, LSU. I know you'll be in Baton Rouge for that game uh, there on Saturday night for LSU, Arkansas, and then even Mississippi State and South Carolina. But to kind of work our way down through these, let's start with Auburn and Texas A&M. A huge opportunity for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. Uh, to get to 4-0, 1-0 in SEC play on the other side. We've been talking about it all week long. Texas A&M maybe going to be playing desperate in this game because they just can't start 2-2 two two in 2023, Chris. What's your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, 
we're talking we're talking Auburn A and M. You're not gonna like my pick. Oh, I just, Chris. Yeah, I, I, Chris. Look, and I'm, I, I like Hugh Freeze, and and I and I think that they're the future looks bright. But on Monday, Hugh Freeze gave you the warning sign when he said, "Guys, we got a rough you know we got a rough road ahead. The, the schedule these next couple weeks is going to be brutal." He's he's warning the fan base right there, going, "Be patient with us, stick with us. This thing is we're building for the future." As excited as we are for year one, we have not arrived yet. And look, let's be let's be honest. What we've seen out of Peyton Thorne the first few weeks has not been good. It, he's been okay. Last week, you know, was his best game, but it was against Sanford, right? I mean, you know, the running ability and all that. It, I, I'll say this. I mean, he showed us some running ability that I didn't think he had. So I've, nobody's confusing him with Michael Vick out there. But it was good to see him show some running ability. But I just look at the weapons. I mean, Texas A&M, they, they, have they underachieved under Jimbo? Yes. But they're still loaded with four- and five-star talent. And the whole thing, the whole narrative of the offseason was, this is going to be a nightmare with Bobby Petrino and, and Jimbo butting heads. That's not happened. And the offense has actually been really good. Connor Wegman has been outstanding. I know the competition hasn't been all that great. The loss to Miami was, was more on the defense, not so much on the offense. So I think a and going to score points. And the question is, can Auburn keep up? And I just don't think, at least what we've seen thus far of, of Peyton Thorne, I don't think he can. Um, I've been disappointed they haven't been able to get the run game going as consistent with Jarquez Hunter. And, you know, the receivers are fine. Nobody's, like, blowing me away and go, oh, my God, Auburn's got some monster weapons there. And the defense has been good, but, you know, it sounded like Scott may be banged up. You know, I've been hurt hearing a lot of talk. Kai and Lee may, may uh, you know, get some uh, be leaned on this week with some playing time. So, I don't know, man. We're, we're going to find out. But when, when he said, you know, we got to get some young guys ready and they're going to be baptized by fire here, it, uh, I, I just thought, reading between the lines, I thought it was Hugh Freeze telling folks, look, we're, we're probably going to lose this week, but uh, don't jump ship. Stay strong with us and we'll see what happens. But, you know, they're supposed to, A&M's supposed to be getting healthy this week, supposed to be getting back their dynamic receivers, Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas. Uh, the way Connor Wegman's throwing the ball, man, I just I think they're going to score a lot of points. And I just ask you this and your Auburn listener base: if I tell you A and M's going to score thirty-one points, do you think Auburn can score thirty-one or more to top that? I, I just what we've seen from this offense the first three weeks, I just I find that hard to uh, hard to fathom. But look, I, I I'd love them to go out there and shock me and prove it, and, and maybe Hugh Freeze lets it all hang out run some trick plays, a fake punt or two, you know, something like that that gets them and keeps them in this game. But I just think the early morning start, Kyle Field's going to be rocking, and uh, I think A&M wins. Look, man, we respect your opinion. We respect your picks. And, and look, I definitely do. My listeners, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I definitely do. And, 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 and it's going to be a good game. I think everybody can can attest to that. And, look, Auburn does have to play extremely well and maybe pull a few things that they're not supposed to uh, to try and win this game on Saturday at Texas A&M. Other games going on around the SEC. How about that game that's happening at 2.30 on Saturday at Tuscaloosa? Number 15, Ole Miss. Number 13, Alabama. Ole Miss is as confident as I've ever seen them, Chris. Their fans are ready. Their team is ready. Lane Kiffin, of course, he's confident and cocky as always. But Alabama, on the other hand, this is about as low as I've seen them in a really, really long time. Just your take on what Alabama is right now and what this game could be and look like on Saturday. Yeah, my concern with Ole Miss is the same as it was last year. Is this fool's gold? You know, when they started off last year like 6-0, 7-0, then all the losses started to pile up when the competition got tougher. 
you know, they, they've not been tested very well. I mean, they, they played on the road at Tulane against the backup quarterback and had, needed some a couple of late scores in the final two minutes to pull away. Uh, and then they let Georgia Tech make, make it a one-score game with them a week ago before they pulled away again. So uh, Ole Miss hasn't played a, a, a murderer's row of schedules so far. They've opened with Mercer in week one. Um, but the question is, you know, can Jackson Dart make the plays this year, and, and can they convert on third downs? I thought that was the story of last year. They couldn't convert third, third downs so they, you know, the past two years against uh, uh, Alabama. They've had a lot of fourth downs, so they tried to go for it, not getting it. So, you know, I, I, I'm curious if Ole Miss is legit, but maybe they don't even have to be. I mean, maybe that's how bad Alabama is right now with the quarterback spot and all the questions. I mean, that was the most hideous game I think I've seen in the Nick Saban era there in Tuscaloosa last week at South Florida. Yeah. And for whatever reason, why they moved away from Milrow, I guess maybe they said we can use that game as a chance to see what the other quarterbacks have. But, my God, like, I would have used that as an opportunity to to stick with Milrow, say, look, man, you made a couple mistakes against Texas, but let's learn from that. Let's get get you a five-touchdown game against USF and build that confidence back. Instead, they benched him. And now they got to go back to him against an SEC opponent. I'm just curious what his mindset's going to be. Curious what, what Tommy Reese will do when it comes to play calling. And you don't think – I mean, already you, you know Lane wants to go in there and stick it to Saban. But you don't think Pete Golding wants to go in there and stick it to the people who booed him last year and ran him out of town? You better believe stuck it. Stuck as the defensive coordinator. So, yeah, man, I, I, just, I just say this, Jacob. I'm leaning Ole Miss plus the points, and I'm leaning Ole Miss in a straight-up upset. My question, though, is – if not now, when, Lane? If you can't beat Nick now with all the chips against him, every, you know, Bama down right now, if you don't beat him this Saturday, I don't think Lane will ever beat Saban because he ain't going to get a better, a better opportunity than this one. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people in that same boat, Chris, where Ole Miss, uh, again, their confidence is through the roof, and you've got a team that has shown some, some, I mean, really shown some positive signs and has the talent, and Alabama is, uh, again, just so down and out right now. And, I mean, I've got Alabama people telling me if they lose this game on Saturday, it, the season's done, it's over, and possibly the dynasty is over there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and think of this. The uh, if LSU takes care of business against Arkansas and Ole Miss beats Alabama next week, LSU goes to Oxford and plays Ole Miss. If LSU loses that game, we're talking about Ole Miss in the driver's seat to get to Atlanta in December, and, and that's just that's never been a thing. I mean, not you know, Eli Manning was probably their only chance to do to do it, and ironically, Saban at LSU at the time beat Ole Miss and knocked them out, and 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 they went to Atlanta, so. You know, the old joke used to be don't ask anybody in Oxford for directions to Atlanta because they've never been there. They don't know how to get there. So, um, but, but, man, what a crazy world it would be if we're talking about Lane Kiffin uh, actually winning the SEC West this year and, and heading, to the, uh, heading to Atlanta. It would be nuts. Yeah, I don't know if that would be a testament to how good Ole Miss has become or just how bad the SEC West has become if, if Ole Miss ends up getting to Atlanta. Uh, one more before I let you get out of here. I know you're going to be in Baton Rouge, Arkansas, after a, a, just a weird game and weird performance, a loss against BYU. They're traveling to Baton Rouge to take on number 12 LSU, who played a perfect game against Mississippi State on the road last weekend. You'll be there. Your thoughts on that game quickly. That line is 17.5 for LSU. LSU, something fishy smells there, Chris. Yeah, it just seems like a lot. Like, I just, I, I think LSU wins the game because I think this is a team that's going to be led by their offense. Like I talked about, you know, 450 yards of offense in the loss to Florida State. They shot themselves in the foot, two red zone trips, not converting. They've gotten a lot of pieces back. They didn't have big Mason Smith in there week one. 
And Logan Diggs, the Notre Dame transfer, he did not play week one. Brother, the last two weeks, him in there as a starting running back, he is moving that pile. This kid is legit. I, I even say, in hindsight, if LSU had had him week one, I think that outcome against Florida State is different. But uh, LSU is going to score a lot of points. The question is, can Arkansas answer? I do think we see an inspired Arkansas team after losing to BYU. I don't think they hang their heads. and I think they come into Baton Rouge and give LSU a battle. I think it's something like 31-21. I think LSU still wins by like 10, but uh, 17 and a half is a lot to cover in an SEC game. So we'll see how it plays out, but I think LSU wins. And, man, uh, you know, if they take care of business, they, them and Ole Miss, I think, will be playing for uh, the, the cream of the crop at the top of the uh, SEC West next week. Wow, it would be insane in what is a pivotal week in the SEC as a lot of teams. And it's crazy to say a pivotal week because most teams are just getting started in the SEC. But with early season losses and, and expectations being shattered all over the place, this is a big, big week for a lot of teams in the SEC. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He joins me every Thursday at 3.30 here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Chris, as always, brother, I appreciate you. It's always fun talking with you. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you and what you got coming up for locked on sec yeah just search locked on sec wherever you get your podcast and hey Auburn fans if uh if they pull off the win on a&m i will definitely come on here and eat pro next week and uh, <laughs> i will celebrate your win so uh war eagle and let's have a good weekend there you go man hey enjoy your trip to baton rouge we'll talk to you next thursday chris all right, thanks, That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Go check him out. He does a fantastic job. Um, he, he Look, he tells you like it is. He tells it like it is. That's what I like to have on this program. And he thinks A&M beats Auburn this weekend. You do with that what you will. I appreciate Chris as always. Uh, always a blast talking with him. Uh, he has been, he's one of my longest guests I've had on the show since I took over um, what's been over a year and a half now, which is extremely crazy to me. But always appreciative of him and his friendship. We got to get to our final break. We've ran really long here on a Thursday afternoon. We'll come back and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. Big thanks to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He joins me every Thursday here on the show. Shout out to him, uh, the Auburn High School head football coach Keith Etheridge and Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. All three of my wonderful guests here on the show today. Got a couple of minutes want to get to the phone lines really quickly to end the show 334-321-1390 Dak you're on the line man what's up hey Jacob hey no just to uh, talk about what he talked about a second ago yeah talking about Thorn in the passing game I really think this is going to come down on Monday we're going to be saying did Auburn run the football or not that, that's what it's going to amount to because mm-hmm. we know we're not going to be able to keep up with them throwing the football uh, with this young receiver crew and, yeah. and the line, we we have got to be able to run the football consistently and uh, pretty much try to you know keep long drives going and keep the ball out of their hands because Petrino is a master offensive coordinator. Yes, it, it's it's you know I think that's what it's going to come down to. 
Yeah, I think you, I think you're absolutely right, Dak. I think it comes down to Auburn running the football well, picking up. I said earlier in the show, I think Auburn has to average over three yards of carry in this game to have a chance to win. Because if you do that, well, that means you're picking up effective yards every time you run and you have a chance to extend drives. I think it comes down to running the football effectively and Peyton Thorne making the right decisions and avoiding the bad decisions that we've seen and heard him make a couple of times in these games so far this season. I think if you do those two things, you've got a great shot on Saturday. I do, and, I, and I look, I think, too, uh, so far in the three games, and it look, especially against Sanford, yeah, we did not move the pile. But you notice we didn't try to run it in Cal or Sanford. We didn't try to run uh, in the outside lanes at all. Mm-hmm. We tried to run in between the tackles. So that tells me that we have been holding back in the running game. And so I look forward to seeing us running uh, sideline to sideline a little bit this weekend. Yeah, well, I think Auburn's got the speed and the athleticism to do that, but I'm hoping that they've got the strength and the ability to hopefully push the pile a little bit against Texas A&M. Maybe they were holding something back there, too. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think Auburn's going to try and run it up the middle and try to get outside a little bit, too. Right, and I'm still going to go back to what I said two years ago, that Lane Kiffin, will either be the head coach at Florida or Texas A&M in the next three years. Wow, okay, okay. Hey, book it down, man. And if I'm here in three years and you are too, we'll uh, we'll see if that happens, okay? <laughs> I got you, buddy. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate it, Dad. Great to hear from you, man. 334-321-1390. A lot of people on that Lane Kiffin to Florida train. I haven't heard the, the uh, Lane Kiffin to Texas A&M one very often, though. That's interesting. Yes, we'll see. That means Jimbo's got to get fired. And you know what's a great way to get yourself back on the hot seat? Lose this weekend to Auburn if you're Texas A&M. We'll talk about that some more tomorrow on the Friday edition of On the Line. But if you missed any of the show today, ESPNAU.com. Go check out the podcast. Go check out our SEC football challenge. Picks are due by tomorrow at midnight. Or you can just search On the Line to go find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Um, tomorrow busy show we're gonna have my interview with eugene asante we're also gonna have a texas a&m writer on as well plus uncle tebow and wade bennett will make our picks for the sec and auburn texas a&m until tomorrow stay safe i'll talk to you later